This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. From the diamond to the clubhouse to the front office, this is the show that feeds the passion for all Twins fans. It's Inside Twins. Inside Twins is sponsored by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Speaking of legends, if you see any sentiment, we don't have any. Chris Atterbury in studio with Thad Levine, general manager of the first place Minnesota Twins. This is the Twins Hot Stove Show. It is brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer which is made in Minnesota, how memories are created, legends are made, start of what we hope to be a great Sunday here at the ballpark, a full house yesterday, hopefully another one today, Twins bidding for a sweep of the White Sox, and Thad is in studio to talk about that and a whole lot more. We're going to hear from Jeremy Zoll. It's almost officially a Haverford alumni party at some point in segment two of our show here today. But that first of all, always great to have you in studio and I'm going to start with a question that seems kind of like a bigger question, and maybe it's a little one that's added up into a mosaic. I get it all the time, and I think a lot of people around the club do, like, Twins are in first place, things are going well. Is it sustainable? Is it sustainable? It's the modern fan, right? Like, as if if you lost in the seventh game of the World Series, you shouldn't be having fun now. The funny thing is, fans can think that. Your job is to make sure it's sustainable, and that leads to, I guess, the question, can you enjoy the little nine-inning pockets of baseball in front of a full house on a daily basis, or do you always have to be out ahead of the curve? Uh, it's, it's a great question. It's, it's o- almost like a turducken, how many questions were wrap, wrapped up in one there. Uh, first of all, I would say thank you for having me on, but the I, I think that's our constant challenge is in good times and in bad is to evaluate how the team's playing and determine what is what is sustainable, what is a concern, uh, and what, quite frankly, do we expect to just come correct over a time period. So the one of the challenges, I think, of working in professional sports is we're all competitors. We, we all strive to succeed. So when you win, it's almost a sense of a relief at the end of the day. But when you lose, it's kind of a gut punch. So your natural resting position in a season in which you go 500 is a little bit below 500 in terms of your overall psyche. But one thing that I don't think we do a great job of is celebrating the, the successes. When we're doing as well as the team's doing, we're always prone to say, but we're only 50 games into the season. We're only 51 games into the season. It's only a third of the season. We've got a lot left to play. There's a lot to be really excited about here. And I think you referenced at the outset of this question that we had a packed house yesterday. I will tell you, our, fan, our, our players feel every bit of that. And, and they feed off of it. The energy that they feel in the stadium translates into the clubhouse. That's all they're talking about this morning is how electric it felt in the ballpark yesterday. So I would just say one way we could sustain success here is if our fans continue to buoy our players. But what we're looking at is the underlying numbers. Do we think this is sustainable? And I think a number of things that are encouraging to us so far to maybe even indicate we haven't realized our full potential is we've had this really nice run without Mitch Garver and without Nelson Cruz contributing. We just started seeing the contributions of Miguel Sano. Uh, so we think that those three players are going to contribute even more as the season unfolds. Similarly, 
we're not really a team that's laden with superstars and guys who are complementary players. We're not overly reliant on any one, two, or three players for the success of this team. I think for the fans' benefit, every night you come, truly there could be a different star in this club. We've been carried by the seven, eight, nine hitters a number of times this year. Uh, they've, you know, occasionally have outperformed our one, two, three, or three, four, five hitters. But we've been able to do it up and down the lineup. One thing we don't know when you go to the come, come to the ballpark is that we're going to have one star that you should focus all your attention on. But you better keep your eyes open and your ears wide because something special may happen at any point during the game. Yeah, and we've seen so many examples of that. And you've weathered extended slumps from a lot of your players, and that's what good teams do. They have enough guys that, that you can cover that. I think one of the strengths of this team's uh, looping to this question is that they are in the present tense. And I think it starts with Rocco, and it's always about what are we doing now what are we doing this at bat? What are we doing this day? And not getting caught up in the other stuff. And in that sense, because there is such a fusion between the clubhouse and the front office, which is part of the success, I guess that's where you guys in the front office carry the load of, we'll worry about the future tense, you worry about the present tense. Right, and, and I think what you see in Rocco is he's sitting everybody. He's rotating 12 guys through on the offensive side. In the back end of the bullpen, almost everybody's gotten a chance to pitch in winning situations. So when you come to a ballpark and on the ballpark in a given day, you know you have a chance to contribute. What's more is I think you have this belief that through the strategy sessions by our advanced scouts and James Rousen on the hitting side and Wes Johnson on the pitching side, you're being put in the absolute best position to succeed. So I think a perfect example was our Anaheim series. We did well against Anaheim. The first game, Williams Astadio is batting third. The second game, he's not playing. The third game, he's hitting ninth. Each of those games, that was the exact right place to play him. And I think the players feel that. They, they know when I'm in the game and when the game's on the line and I'm hitting or I'm pitching that these guys have thought through why I should be up there and they go in there with a heightened sense of confidence. I think that's married up also with the fact that Rocco's been tremendous about it being attentive to rest and, and recovery. So we're not doing as much mindless work on the field. We're doing very purposeful work on the field. So shorter stints, higher energy, higher bursts, more game reps – but not just a lot of time on the field. So these guys are rested and, and ready to go each and every night. Uh, you bring up a, a whole box of topics that we've been tossing around in here in terms of development, the core of how do you make talented athletes uh, <clears throat> able to perform at even, even higher, at an optimum level uh, on a daily basis. And let's start with the information part in terms of putting them in positions and places to succeed. A lot of that now is in terms of the dissemination of this massive amount of information that you can either glean or cultivate and sift through. Part of that has been that there are guys who are not coaches who are in the clubhouse on a daily basis, and they also even, and this is something other organizations have done, sometimes they got a uniform on. Sometimes they're, they're in the minor leagues and maybe they're in the dugout. Obviously, that's on purpose, right? And have you seen that help develop a further bond between a ball player who by their very nature can be a little bit distrustful of non-ball players and the folks who are now delivering that information. So I, th I think about five to ten years ago, there was an arms race for information. Uh, we realized as a sport we were way behind some other sports in terms of advanced metrics that were being used to prepare your team to make decisions in game to optimize your, your player's ability to win that game that night. So then all of a sudden teams had these reams of information. I mean, they were these tomes of information. And then we realized reams that... Reams and tomes. Reams and tomes. That'll be the, the, the name of your second comedy album. <laughs> right, reams, reams and, and tomes. tomes. And then I think we realized that that in and of itself didn't help you win games. 
it was how much of that information was actionable and could be executable in, a, in the course of a game to help you make decisions, or at least after the game to help you refine your decisions for the subsequent game. So I think we've actually drilled down, the, we've, we've narrowed down the reams and the tomes. We now have more like Cliff Notes versions of these things. And what's more than that is we have a, we have a coaching staff that is willing to work with the advanced analytics folks. I think there was a real buffering there at time where there were magnets on the opposite sides where guys who had not spent time in a clubhouse or, t- or, or certainly hadn't played baseball weren't allowed to interact with the players. Well, I think coaches now, by and large, are becoming a lot more open-minded to the skill sets these guys bring to the table. Combined with the analytics folks and the coaching staff, we now have the ability to communicate with players across all spectrums. And I think that's the art form of coaching today. It's not just teaching one way of, of winning a game. It's the, being able to individualize programming. And I think James Rousen and Wes Johnson – Jeremy Hefner do it better than anybody. And I think the fact that Jeremy Hefner had headed up our advanced is now in uniform. Nate Dahman, who had been our bullpen coach, is now working in our analytics department. We have a lot of cross-pollination there, and I think that's been exceptionally helpful in the ease of operation and the level of communication we've been able to have with our players. Yeah, The other thing is in terms of you talked about not just eyewash on the field for the sake of being on the field and how you go about learning and processing and refining And one of the things that has become not just a trend, but a fact in terms of learning styles, everybody learns differently. A lot of studies done on whether it's the Generation Z workforce, the millennial workforce, and visual learning, and how visual learning has just factually been proven to be more effective because this is a generation that grew up. If you want to learn how to change a tire, you watch someone do it on YouTube. If you want to learn how to do something, you watch a video of it. It's available Mm -hmm. for you. And that is part and parcel of getting work done without standing on your feet all the time because you're teaching guys, with the exception of Nelson Cruz, uh, who probably are falling into that particular demographic. And I think it takes a whole different complexion when you're interviewing potential coaching candidates. What are their abilities to teach across all different spectrums? Do they have one way of teaching or do they have the ability to, to, to do go across different platforms? And I think that's essential today. I think the other thing that players want today, they want to co-author their, their plan. They don't want to just be told what to do. Now, there are a few out there who just want to be told, hey, here's the fingers I'm going to put down. You're going to throw the pitches and we're going to execute. Most of these guys have enough experience and they have enough genuine care about their career development that they want to have some say in their plan. I think the coach has to afford them some space to be co-authors in that plan. Interesting stuff. I mean, and the funny thing, or not funny, but I guess the, the neat thing for me about this is this works for baseball. But this works for all facets of an organization, no matter what your industry is. I think everything you just described is very applicable to what we do in the front office in terms of stimulating the Generation Z and the millennials as well. You know, they're not looking to have everything dictated to them. They want to participate in the outcomes. I think they have then a much greater vested interest in what's transpiring day to day in the workforce. Now, very cool stuff. All right, we're going to take our first break here on Inside Twins. That is here. Now, as we mentioned, Jeremy Zoll is going to stick around as well, because speaking of development and infrastructure in the minor leagues, I had an interesting chat with Jeremy about some coaching additions in the minor leagues. We're going to hear from Jeremy and then let Thad talk a little bit about that. That's coming up next. You're listening to Inside Twins on your home for Twins Baseball. Welcome back to Inside Twins. It's brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. How memories are created and legends are made. Thad Levine, our guest in studio. And we also doubled down on Jeremy Zoll as we had a conversation about some uh, off-the-field business bringing some new instructors into the fold in the Twins minor leagues. Hey, it's odd to be talking about this now, but you're actually adding some new uh, staff members in the minor leagues. Yeah, so um, we lost our, our Fort Myers fourth coach back uh, in in late January. Frank Jagoda took a job with, with USA Baseball. Really good opportunity for Frank, and I uh, didn't want to hold him up from 
uh, you know, take a, a step in his career that he was really excited about. Um, so we had a, an opening in uh, in Fort Myers for the fourth coach position um, at, at kind of a weird time, kind of past hiring season. So worked through some uh, worked through a process with some different candidates over the course of spring training and and into April and. Um, ultimately landed on adding two new staff members. We're, we're adding Nat Ballenberg uh, to the Fort Myers staff as, uh, as the fourth coach to su- support Luis Ramirez uh, and the rest of the staff there, and um, also Jared Gaynor to the, to the Cedar Rapids staff, and he'll support Virgil Vasquez in, in the pitching efforts as well. So um, looking forward to getting those guys on board once uh, their respective college seasons totally wrap up, and, and they'll, they'll be – fully on board by by approximately June 1st. Now, you mentioned their college seasons. As, as again, you're mining that, that rich uh, vein of coaches uh, doing some different things at the college level. And it's a real different world here, Jeremy, because it's not like you're just grabbing you know, a college coach. There are different staff positions there at the collegiate level now that maybe didn't even really fully exist or were fully fleshed out even in recent years. And, and now those are becoming springboards into pro ball. Yeah, so Jared um, at, at VCU, I uh, was their director of baseball operations, where um, has a slew of responsibilities, but also uh, as a part of that gets exposure to, to things like their trackman information and different pieces of analytical info. So he, he gets to expose himself to different, um, you know, pieces of, of the puzzle and, and can combine that with some of his previous coaching and, and playing experience as a pitcher and some of the work he does in the, in the private sector to continue to round out his profile and, um, he's, he's finishing up a master's degree at, at VCU as well. So, you know, has, has been able to expose himself to a lot of different things in a, in a short period of time. I will never not love Jeremy's use of the private sector as if, uh, you know, I, I just it's a perfect drop in from Jeremy Zoll. But we talked a little bit about it when you were last in studio yeah. with Daniel Adler and, and kind of how you staff, how you find these qualified people with different perspectives. So much of the success of the big league club is always going to be, predicated on development and having the right people who can take the same message and distribute it throughout levels. There's a billion people who want to get on a moving train, mm-hmm. Thad. How yeah. do you find the right people mid-course even to maintain consistency in your message? So I, I think take a half step back in the presentation. The first question you asked, Jeremy, led him down the path of why did we have this opening? And one of the reasons was because Frank Jagoda got this great opportunity with USA Baseball. And I think one thing we always talk about, and I'm sure you talk about constantly when Jeremy's on, on your show, is the development of players. We always are talking about prospects. We've got prospect boards on MLB's website and Baseball America's website, and we all keep one internally. But we're also trying to develop coaches. You know, we're trying to, we, we look at them as prospects as well. And so Frank had a great opportunity to pursue a career dream for him to work for USA Baseball and realize his potential. So I think that's part of our obligation, too, is to develop those guys. So then we turn our eye towards hiring. And I think Jeremy's looking to hire somebody, not who can just simply be a fourth coach at a certain level, but somebody who he sees a real future in. You know, we're, we're trying to acquire talent on the coaching side, no different from the player side. We constantly are challenging Jeremy of, to ask the question, who are the major league coaches that are in this room who currently are holding down minor league jobs and let's try to cultivate their skill set so I think he's done a tremendous job of opening our eyes to to really looking into the collegiate space I think we've talked about this in the show in the past Uh, you know 
historically, all the guys who coached in minor league baseball were guys whose credentials to coach were no, nothing more than having played some minor league baseball, potentially some major league baseball, and gotten some exposure. It was an amazing criteria. You absolutely had to have worn a uniform at some point. I think what we've learned is the guys who come out of the NCAA space, they have a lot of cr- coaching credentials. They maybe have gone to some clinics. They may have some psychology backgrounds that really have lent themselves, certainly at the lower levels of the minor leagues, to help these guys transition from amateur baseball into professional baseball and give them the tools to succeed as they start off their journey to, to, to matriculate up the wire and ultimately to the big league. So I think it's been a highly competitive. The other thing I would say is something unique for the Minnesota Twins relative to five, six years ago is Jim Polad has really supported our, our pursuit of having more coaches at these levels. Historically, we were one of those franchises. We had a hitting coach, we had a pitching coach, and a manager. And, and really, today's player demands more than that. To try to think, uh, we have 25 to 28 players at these levels at all times, three people managing their progress and success. They can't get enough one-on-one attention. We're adding a fourth coach, and it's not just a hitting coach. It's whatever that level needs the most. So you, we just talked there about how Virgil Vasquez, who's our Cedar Rapids pitching coach, he needs some assistance. We're going to send a coach up there with pitching expertise. And so we've been able to do that because Jim Paul has given us the financial freedom to pursue it. Now our coach-to-player ratio is much more conducive to high high term success. Every parent out there knows that when you're evaluating schools, you're looking at what's the best teacher to, to student ratio. Well, we're trying to apply the same in our workplace, and I think we're seeing real results there. And speaking of the, the teacher parallel, I can't help but think when you talk about where you're getting teachers and coaches from the college ranks or even, say, amateur baseball in some other respect, the kids, because they are kids that they're tasked with coaching at a low level of the minor leagues, those are high school and college age kids. It's the same. Uh, growth period in their brains and their developmental periods as they're coaching in those other places. Absolutely. These guys are 100% geared and conditioned to understand some of the off-field challenges that these kids have because keep in mind when we're whether it's a 16-year-old out of Latin America or whether it's a 18-year-old out of high school or even a 21-year-old out of college, we're still charged with developing these as players but also as as men and contributing members of society. That's a huge part of what coaching is especially at the lower levels in the minor leagues. All right, the Haverford segment is over. We'll take a break. We'll come back with more Inside Twins with Thad Levine next on your home for Twins Baseball. Inside Twins is the name of the show. It's brought to you by Kilberg Root Beer, made in Minnesota, how memories are created, legends are made. Thad Levine's in studio. Now, uh, we haven't talked about the draft much, Thad. I know that's going to be uh, the big focus, get the organization in the building here. It's already started. We will on this program have Sean Johnson next week talking about that in detail. Do you, I know you like the draft. You, oh, you enjoy the entire collaborative process at every level. It, it, it's a little bit like the Super Bowl. It's it's a tremendous <laughs> event. You know, middle 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 of the Who's season. Who's doing a halftime show? <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, I think Peter, Paul, and Mary. <laughs> uh, backed by popular demand. Uh, so it's it's a tremendous event. It really brings together so much of our scouting community. Uh, not only our amateur senior scouts, but this is where our, some of our senior advisors show up. The, the Justin Morneaus, Latroy Hawkins, Tory Hunters, Michael Kadires find their way in the room. Uh, they love to see the process. And then it's a huge strategy session. So it's one thing is the science of putting the board together, one through 100 in, in the country, and every team does it slightly differently. And it's, it's a unique exercise, and that's exhausting. But then watching Sean Johnson and Tim O'Neill, who is his chief lieutenant, determine in what order they have to take these players. That's the art form. That's the exciting part. That's the strategy session that I think we all love to get involved in. Yeah, and you, I think you just like meeting the people, talking to the people, hearing the different – I mean, it's awesome. It's all coming together. you got uh, your nerve center over there. Pretty good time. Did you say nerd center? I did not say nerd <laughs> center. Would not. Would not say that. Uh, 
Derek talks a lot about 25-game segments, 50-game segments mm-hmm. um, in terms of looking at things so you don't get too stretched out. We just got through 50-game segment. Is it a reset, or do you guys now focus as 51 through 100, or is it almost like another one through 50? So I, and, and I respect Derek's perspective on that. One thing I heard as a, as a less experienced person in the game was Billy Bean espoused the notion that you use April and May to evaluate your team and like really let them gel June and July then to maybe make amends in areas where you feel like you need to to bolster the club and then kind of August and September you sit back and you watch the team and hope it hope it performs so I think we're about to get to that June and July segment where we've had two months to really evaluate this team try to understand where we are and you know the team's played very well but I think Derek and I still are working tirelessly around what is the next line of defense if something happens what what can we do so there's not a significant drop-off the way that Rocco has managed this the this group has been tremendous. I think the next line of defense, quite frankly, is right here in Minneapolis. But I think Jeremy Zoll has done a great job in preparing us in AAA with Joel Skinner. Uh, these guys have been ready to come. When, they, when they've come up, they've done an excellent job, whether that be on the pitching side or the offensive side. But we're constantly looking internally what's the next line of defense. The last resort is to look externally, so we're trying to be as self-sufficient as we possibly can. And externally is different this year, right? Not only do you have some big-name free agents and the whole draft compensation thing about to come to pass, but you have only one trade deadline. So is that change the timing? Are we all going to learn over the next month if and when that changes timing? I think we'll we'll have to see. You know, in reality, there haven't been a ton of trades in August. Sometimes those are the role players. It's the runner off the bench. It's the defender. Verlander. It's it, or it's the guy with a lot of money left on his on his contract that somehow made it through during the 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 process of the waiver process. So I think we will see a little bit more condensed decision making. You can't really wait to see how the team plays in August to to make amends at that point. So I think we'll see teams having to make a decision: are they buyers or they sellers? And they're going to make that decision a little bit earlier this year. All right. Well, we got less than a minute to go how will you spend today will you be upstairs watching the ball game uh will you be working the phones uh, do you have a chance to to uh, soak in another full house here at target field at all oh we're going to be soaking in the full house and we're going to get wrapped up to, into it no different than the fans do i mean we enjoy this at the heart of it we're fans first but every every day in the suite we have different personnel up there and we get a chance to really touch base and get connected to the hearts and heads of our, our dynamic staff, and that's what we try to do during the game. I want to see you in a tank top playing beanbag toss out in the center field grass <laughs> today. Seventh <laughs> inning. Uh, I will be in disguise if I'm doing that. <laughs> Groucho Marks. <laughs> Thad, it's always great having you in studio. Really interesting conversation just about the process and how things work and, uh, and, and how things are going on behind the scene, uh, and I hope you do get a chance to enjoy how much fun uh, this team is to watch and be around. Uh, and uh, we'll catch up with you down the road. We're staying focused on the future, but we are celebrating every moment. That's very well said. That's Thad Levine, our guest here today. Now, we are just getting started. The pregame lineup card with Jeremy Zoll is coming up next as he'll have our minor league player and pitcher of the week right here on your home for Twins Baseball. You have been listening to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. It's how memories are created and legends are made. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 